and welcome to another week of Drinking with the Devil. We're your hosts. I'm Thomas. I'm Heather. Delayed reaction there, but she was taking a puff, so that was kind of on my bad. Apparently it's Friday the 13th. No, it's not. Yeah, I know. It's like 10-4, good buddy. It's Tuesday, the something. 10-4, October the 4th. 10-4. Oh, there you go. See, I don't even know what day it is, people. I know it's Tuesday. <laughs> it is a Tuesday. You're correct there. Well, that being said, we're staying on our uh, good old mental health regimen. I am not. I'm just roaming around crazy and unmedicated as usual. That's her mental health regimen. The little psychotic spurts make her feel better. And the fact that she's drinking from an oogie boogie cup is fucking priceless. Kind of jealous. I told you if you were good, I would find you something like that. Not an oogie boogie cup. No, we can't. We can't match. That's yeah. Gross. We yeah. That's we can't even own the same brand cars because that's too motherfucking Brady Bunchy. That's gross. Yeah. 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 Well, that being said, uh, it being spooky season and all. Spooky I season. Feel like this week would be a good week to do some educating to our audience, uh, and educate them on the different types of hauntings, because you know, everybody's gonna go out Halloween. Thinking they're an amateur ghost hunter. <laughs> of course they are. And then they're going to walk home with a demon up their ass. Right up in there. Hanging on your back. Finger in your butthole. No All lie. up in your butthole. All up in your butthole. And God hope that it doesn't fall on Taco Tuesday. That poor demon. <laughs> there ain't no safe words either, kids. <laughs> pineapple juice. <laughs> no, it's pineapple juice. Speaking of pineapple <laughs> juice. Why don't you tell our listeners what we're drinking tonight? Tonight we are drinking... Pineapple or pineapple juice and coconut rum, which is a fan favorite round here. Round here, because we like that shit. We like that shit. Well, that being said, let's go ahead and dive on in, because, yeah. So, first on the list of, and I'm going to be putting the website in the description and yeah, on I the... I want to hear what they say these kinds of hauntings are. So, first we have... No, I do not want to subscribe. Stop it! <laughs> We have. Okay, we have first. We have the subscription haunting. Yeah. Which is whenever you go onto any kind of a website and you get about three rows down and it pops up this stupid little pop up, and it's like we want your email. We want, we want your email. You need to subscribe to this. Yeah, they ain't get my email. That is not for stuff I already know. That is a digital age subscription or a digital age haunting, but it is real and annoying. So, the first one they got for us is Residual Haunting. Now, I'm going to read theirs, and then we're going to add to it. This is a haunting that is misunderstood as a conscious ghost. No. No. I like to think of residual hauntings like a broken record player that replays, yes, a moment over and over again. In my opinion, residual hauntings are leftover energy from what was there before. Yes, have you ever walked into a room after two people were fighting and you can sense the tension? Yes. Yes. My own house, multiple times, especially if I say something stupid. That's kind of what it's like in a residual haunting. I'll agree with that. Residual hauntings are caused by emotional imprint of traumatic event in the area, like Gettysburg, 
It could also be something where someone has a set routine for so long that their energy just keeps flowing like someone getting a midnight snack at 3 a.m. for 50 years. Now, I'm going to say this first. It's not a residual haunting if you know anything about paranormal investigation. You never mistake a residual haunting for a conscious ghost. You don't. Because it's the same thing over and, and over. over. It's and like over. a routine. You know that whoever is doing it isn't thinking it through. So At I disagree there. 3 a.m. said ghost walks down these steps in this hallway. At 12.03 a.m., this ghost walks down these steps in this it's the same thing over. It's an echo. It's the same it's steps. It's the same sounds every, every time. Night. Perfection. You know, a record would be so lucky to be able to sound the same so many times. You can set your clock on them. You can set your clock on residuals. This happens the same time every day, every week, every year. Also, I would like to throw in my favorite thing to throw into Heather. String theory. Multiple universes that rub up against each other. Also known as a glitch in the fucking matrix. A lot of times residual hauntings could be string theory. It, it could be a alternate universe that is close to ours. And we're getting an echo of that. In We're getting in a vibration, a wave. Something off the other. Because time is a wave. Hi. Hi. Bye. I don't know, my time is usually like one of those waves that come with a hurricane. <laughs> I came in like a wrecking ball. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it comes in and slams me on the ground and then just goes away. <laughs> and the I'm next thing you know, there's water in the wave. bottom of what your What time car? is it? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> next is intelligent slash interactive. And I'll wait till I get to the end of this to critique it because, yeah. This is the type of haunting where we interact with a spirit. I tend to use the word intelligent haunting over interactive. In this situation, you are able to interact with a spirit. They are aware that you are there and they are responding to you. While they may or may not be aware of the current time period, they are responsive. These types of ghosts are able to answer questions, usually, interact with equipment, and tell you their story. This is the type of spirit that most paranormal investigate, investigators encounter in the field. Not accurate. Damn it, I'm still doing it. <laughs> this is the type of spirit you will most often see on television. No. So, the most common spirit is going to be your residuals. Um, it's a moment. There have been accounts of a residual haunting of someone who's still alive. You see people that are still alive. But they lived in this house for so many years. I personally, when I worked at, as a coroner, I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone say, Grandpa's in the nursing home, but it's like he's still walking through they, the house. Their, their energy is still in Their the energy's house. there. It is an energy imprint for the most part. So most hauntings, your bare basic day-to-day -day haunting isn't an actual haunting. It's just a energy replay. 
It's not an actual spirit to speak of. I mean, that's kind of like, and I hate to use this analogy, but it's the best one I know. If someone's brain dead, you know, yeah, they might twitch every now and then, but it's not because they're actively doing it. It's not an active thing. They're not there. Yeah, it's, it's, they're not there. It's just a reaction to the energy that was. The ghost has fled the machine at that point. Elvis has left the building. Elvis has left the building. That's a a ruder way to put what I just said. (laughs) I'm going to tell it, go read a book. (laughs) Sure you are, King. Elvis, if you're listening, I know you're living in a trailer park in Wisconsin with Tupac and Biggie. Um, Is it too early? Yeah, it's too early to make that joke because she just died today. That being said, Loretta Lynn... Rest in peace. I hope you found all the peace you need in the afterlife. Oh, wow. I didn't even know. Yeah. We lost the coal miner's daughter today. Damn. Spontaneous apparitions. A 13-year-old son makes you very aware <laughs> of spontaneous apparitions. One second, you don't know that you have a kid. The next second, it's in the kitchen cooking something. <laughs> You're like, when the hell did you show up? <laughs> We've been all day. <laughs> so, this person says, this one might be my favorite type of haunting because it comes from the living. That's right. Spontaneous apparitions come from the li- living. This is sometimes associated with out-of-body experiences, astral projection, just to name a few. It usually involves a person leaving their body as a way to contact someone. From my research, spontaneous apparitions aren't usually intentional, which means that this could happen due to extreme stress or extreme desire to contact someone. This is what often, all too often, I mean ridiculously all too often gets called a poltergeist. A poltergeist is a completely different animal. Exactly. But they always say, oh, well, when you manifest something, it's a poltergeist. No. No. A poltergeist (laughs) is German for noisy spirit. A poltergeist is a manifestation of excess energy, usually malevolent energy, coming from a, God forbid I say it, teenager. Or people who have mental... Mental... Issues. Issues. Bipolar people. Hey. Hey. Bipolar people tend to manifest an external energy. A. It's like a psychic gremlin that comes out. The the, the person gets upset and shit starts flying. It's literally telekinesis in the flesh. Well. Astroflesh. No. (laughs) Because you don't see a poltergeist. What you see is cabinet doors opening, dishes flying. Yeah. Dressers picking themselves up and dancing across the freaking room. Doors slamming. Windows opening and shutting, opening and shutting. It is literally somebody... That is the ones you see in movies. purging... Hmm. That is what you see in the movies. Like the Amityville Horror when the window slammed shut on the little brother's fingers when he was making fun of the sister. 
I'm going to tell you a little story about somebody who lives in my house who used to get mad at me when they were too small to control themselves. And things would come flying up out of my kitchen cabinets. That's like me in the head. Thunk. I'm talking like a bag of beans to the head. <laughs> Bean head. <laughs> I'm telling you what, man. A two-pound bag of beans thrown at considerable force will fuck your ass up. Right? <laughs> right? No, no. Poltergeists are real. <laughs> and they can do some interesting shit. Straight out. It depends on the power of the person doing it. Now, from my experience as a paranormal investigator, most of the time when you do get, and I'm jumping way ahead, getting, you know what, we'll save that for the actual poltergeist conversation because I'm sure she's got it in her list of poltergeist. So, we'll save that one. So, next is Thought Forms and Tulpas. T-U-L-P-A-S. Tulpas. I said it right. Hey. This one is my favorite one. It's a tie between spontaneous apparitions and thought form tulpas. What this means is that we create our own apparitions, to, so to speak. We create our own objects or beings through intense thought. There are theories that hauntings we experience at more famous locations are thought forms because all these ghost hunters have created ghosts through their own collective thoughts. I'm actually on board with this theory since the same stories seem to circulate around. There have been experiments all over the world dedicated to testing out this idea with the most famous being the Philip experiment in 1972. I can't disagree with the way she worded that, but I will say I don't know that ghost hunters create the ghost as much as some of them may have attachments I'm a firm believer Zat Baggins' whole crew has attachments, and that's why everything they go to is so dramatic. Right. Because they have their own personal, personal, personal pain in the ass. And Zat Baggins and Aaron, Aaron especially, and Zach especially, out of all four of them, have encompassed their whole lives around what they do, the afterlife. Zach Baggins has the haunted museum. Aaron had the haunted house that he lived in that he turned around and sold his father. And then his father was having being attacked by this evil entity. And it's like, if you know this thing is going to fuck you up, why would you sell it to your, your dad, dad? Without having the evidence first. Like Vietnam veteran with PTSD. That is the last thing he needs. Right. But I, I can't. Aaron was in a bad space. And he said he was going to sell the house, and his dad's like, well, I'll buy it from you. And he's like, well, okay. Aaron probably didn't realize that whatever was attacking him wasn't attached directly to, to him. him. Yeah. Like, he didn't realize it could say, oh, you're no fun. Hi. Right. You know, ghosts are a lot like... person. Ghosts who attach to people are a lot like fuckboys. You know, they'll attach themselves to you, and they'll be your boo-boo lovey dubby oh wait here's someone else i like their energy better oh wait here's somebody else i like their energy better oh wait here's some fuck boy so what you gonna say about my 31 re year relationship with frank oh that's easy <laughs> frank is obsessed <laughs> he's like stalker crazy oh 
Frank's Stan- actually been really good lately. Frank stands in the hallway and rubs a knife on his cheek, talking about, you'll never leave me. You'll never leave me. You'll ne- I- I'm just surprised we haven't come home and found one of the rabbits in the pot boiling yet. <laughs> For those of you who are too young to remember that movie. <laughs> I don't think Frank's a buddy boiler. No. I, he, he's... I, I do think Frank is responsible for some of the sudden animal deaths we had, but I think it's more along the lines of Frank knowing what my psyche can handle with animals, because I, I, I don't do massive amounts of animals very well. A, a, as you can tell, I, I love on one or two animals at a time, and when more than that comes, I get overwhelmed by the love me, love me, love me. That's why I like the cats when the dogs come and love on me. Because the cats are like, hi, don't touch me. <laughs> and it's like, you're not my favorite. You ignore me. I'm your basic bitch when it comes to animals. I want the ones that don't want me. Oh, yes. Now you have crisis apparitions. Crisis apparitions are truly fascinating. The person who appears as the apparition is usually going through some sort of stress or ten- oh, transition like dying that's a weird way of wording it but okay when you see a loved one right when they die it's a crisis apparition that's a banshee right (laughs) for example someone reports seeing their grandmother in their home at 4 p.m then they found out that grandma passed away at 4 p.m but crisis apparitions are also seen as the person is dying in an accident trapped somewhere extremely ill or badly injured meaning they are still alive. I've only seen one crisis apparition in my life after my grandmother passed. There are a lot of stories of people whose grandma passed away and they wake up in the middle of the night and grandma's standing there at the foot of their bed. After their eyes are open, grandma's standing at the foot of their bed. Fucking little girl doesn't fucking just disappear. There's a little girl standing at my foot of my bed, but as soon as I opened my eyes, she was gone. Then there was no little girl. <laughs> Two weeks later, There's I'm still pissed. Paralysis demon. Right? <laughs> I can't disagree with the crisis apparition. I probably wouldn't call it that. I would call it the last farewell. Yeah, that's not... I would not call that a crisis But I do agree with the statement. pushing the last of their energy to go to the people they care about and go, look. But you also get that at car crashes where you see someone who just passed away and they're dead. So I could see the crisis apparition being like a car crash and they're walking around. But I wouldn't say grandma well, passing away. they don't know away. they're dead yet. Yeah. I personally can vouch I've had the experience working for the coroner's office. Two of my classmates were in a car accident. Both of them passed away. One of them, I swear I heard them talking to me. And then when I turned to respond to them, because I'm like, holy shit, you're supposed to be in the car. And they weren't there. And my boss is just looking at me like I'm crazy because he's like, what? It's like, I swear to God, I just heard him talk to me. I just heard him talk to me. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that, that that's a uh, trauma experience. It's just where you know him. But no, no. Because it, it was too real for it just to be a traumatic experience. Because 
This is what Heather has. And I'm going to do my uh, 1950s oh God. radio. The Guardian. Guardian hauntings are fascinating to me. This is when you have a spirit guide, relatives, ancestors, etc. visiting you not only often, but they are causing disturbances. Like shaking a mirror when you're having an argument with your significant other. This is merely my personal opinion based on experience. When you have a guardian spirit haunting you, it usually means that there is something in your life that you need to change as soon as possible, or something disturbing is happening around you. The only case that we had involved a guardian spirit was when the children's or when the client's daughter, sorry, was being abused by a relative right under their nose. After the relative was removed and arrested, the haunting stopped. So, let's talk about that 31-year-old, uh, Frank. Okay, my 31-year-old relationship with Frank started because I took on a friend of mine's imaginary friend when I was 15. Not very imaginary, by the way. No, he was not. Uh, I'm surprised from my dealings with Frank, he allowed anybody to refer to him as an imaginary friend. Jasper was lost to us mentally. Gotcha. When he, um... Frank's more understanding than I am. He ate a book of acid and never came back. So, Jasper was very much like a little kid in a grown person's body. Now, he was a whole lot of fun, but... Never came. He never came home all the way. Yeah. And he asked me to take care of Bubba, was what he called him. Later in a dream, Frank and I had a little sit down. And I learned his name that he preferred to be called. <laughs> and, you know, he's come with me for everywhere I've been for 31 years. Every time I've moved... The very last thing I would do before I left the house is get in the car, Frank, we're leaving. Now, I can vouch for Frank's existence. Um, I don't apparently see a lot of what he does because he does it behind my back, shifty bitch. But Frank has been my backstabbing friend for a lot of years now. Um, we like to talk a lot of shit about each other, but I can vouch that Frank has pulled me out of bedrooms when I needed to be out of that bedroom. I am highly allergic to marijuana, and some people decided that they were going to smoke it on the side of my house, and Frank decided I need to get out of that room and started making a shit ton of noise downstairs, so I had to run downstairs, and about that time, I could see him out the window smoking, and it's like, are you freaking serious so i can vouch that frank does care he is a guardian very much so but i'm still gonna talk shit and i know he's talking shit every chance he gets about me <laughs> stinking motherfucker <laughs> might do so much better before you were here two hours in the damn toilet <laughs> Now it's time for Poltergeist. Oh my gracious. They're here. 
<laughs> In case you were wondering, the 1982 movie Poltergeist gets it all wrong. That is correct. Uh, Poltergeist... I've never seen a bitch get pulled into a TV. Never in my life. <laughs> I've seen bitches get drained into a TV. I've seen bitches get sucked into a TV. But... Most people don't associate poltergeists with ghosts or spirits. Instead, poltergeists come from our own minds. This type of haunting usually happens around teenage girls going through puberty or women going through menopause. This is a combination of hormones and extreme stress that causes a psychokinetic phenomenon. Poltergeists have also occurred with teenage boys as well. Basically, you have to have extreme emotional stress in the picture. This phenomenon... I suck. <laughs> Just saying, man. I, I agree. I, woke I, mean, up. I don't think I've thrown any shit with my mind over the past couple of years, but... I've had a couple of crazy. I moments. don't know. We've had some shit just randomly fall last couple days. I've so. been calm. I know. Ain't my fault. But we got a 13 year old. We got a 26 year old. We got a 23 year old. We got a 23 year old. 21. Or 21. Sorry. Wait, no, they're 22 now. 22. I was close. We're both wrong. <laughs> Nobody knows how old my kids are. Oh, but in case you're wondering yes poltergeists are extremely difficult to diagnose yes because you usually don't realize it's a poltergeist until you go to exercise it or help eradicate it and then when you get home it's waiting on you because you're trying to get rid of my coping mechanism no uh, I mean, that's been my personal experience. You know, when someone follows you home after... And it's not even like a, I'm going to haunt you now. It's a, I'm going to attack you now so that you never go back because this is my coping mechanism. This is how I deal. And it's a very unhealthy way to cope. Because it ends up causing you more stress because of the poltergeist messing up your house or causing scary noises to happen while you're trying to sleep so you're sleep deprived I mean it sucks deathbed visions I believe firmly in this one so let's see where she goes with it and then I'll put in my two cents we hear about deathbed visions or deathbed phenomenon most often from nurses hospice care etc basically from those who care for dying it is believed that someone gets closer to death, they are visited by deceased friends and or loved ones, not always. Some even report seeing angels or even Jesus Christ. The dying person may even rise from a comatose state to declare their long past spouse in the room, or they see the dying person talking to someone who isn't there. Now I believe very firmly in this one, and it's... To me, it's scientific. When you are dying, your brain naturally releases DMT, which is a drug that is found in mushrooms. If you take mushrooms, people have had shared hallucinations, which leads me to believe it's not a hallucinate hallucination. Hallucination. <laughs> hallucination, thank you. But it is actually, you have split the veil. It is the chemical that releases the part of your brain that allows you to see beyond what is. 
You know, that is my personal belief. I, I believe that when you these people are talking to someone that's not in the room, they didn't just show up because they're dying. They've been there. They just can see them now because their brain is releasing the chemical DMT. And you'll hear Joe Rogan talk a lot about DMT. Because he is all about all types of hallucinogens and psych. I don't listen to Joe Rogan. You know, he's actually really, really smart and it's scary. Because you look at him and you think, listen here, you muscular little troll. <laughs> you pecker-headed penis muncher. <laughs> but then when you listen to him, it's like, wow. Wow. Oh my God, all the opinions I had on Joe Rogan based on Fear Factor are gone. Because after I watched the Joe Rogan show through and through, it's like, this guy is highly freaking intelligent. Blew my mind. Because all I ever knew was Fear Factor. And when he was on that uh, Kevin James movie, Zookeeper, he was a douchebag. He plays the douchebag really well, though. I will give it to him. For some people, it comes natural. For some people, it does come natural. But I feel like Joe Rogan might actually be that really nice guy. That just has that bad persona because you always think of them as trying to make you eat chicken dick. Or, <laughs> or cockroaches. Cockroaches. Mm -hmm. Make you climb a 50-foot tower with nothing but a string to, strapped to your ass. Yeah, <laughs> It's like fear factor where fear is the factor. No, nah, bitch. Fear is a emotion that's going to get you kicked in the dick. <laughs> but Joe Rogan, if you ever get a chance to listen to his podcast, you may agree with him. You may not. But nine times out of ten, if he says something... He's either studied up on it, or he's talked to people in the field who know way more than we do. My personal opinion. Next, Heather's personal favorite. And I know it's Heather's personal favorite because every time we go somewhere, Heather ends up talking to them. Are the elementals. Just because they love me. These hauntings are confusing. Can we really call them a haunting? Not really, no. Because they're not haunting they're, they're elementals. They are the wind. They are the rain. They are the dirt. Earth. They are the sky. They, they are, are the, the fire. They're, they're everything. They are existence. They are the spirit. They are the spirit of the world around us. They really are. And just because I can see them and you fucking can't. I can see them. I just don't go have to talk to everyone I see. Well, if they're fucking with me, and they touch me and stuff, then, you know, they want my attention. <laughs> it's like a cat or a dog. I have to talk to them, too. Yeah, I know. Elementals are inhuman well, spirits that have been around forever. When one hears elementals, they may think of fairies, elves, sprites, will-o'-wisps. The list goes on. What is interesting is that during my investigation days in California, we ran into quite a few elementals. Many elementals are tied in with Native American legends, which makes me believe that they've been around since the dawn of time. During my investigations in heavily wooded areas, I've experienced what I believe were elemental experiences. Finally, we usually associate elementals with nature. Because element is in the name. But everything else they said is accurate. I'm not going to disagree with it. Um... Where Native Americans would have seen them as godlike because they brought the rain, they brought the wind, they brought the sun, they brought everything. So, in a way, they are like little gods. 
I hope the recording picked that up. I don't see anything. Huh? I don't either. That was interesting. <laughs> but let's continue on. Maybe I'll keep talking about elementals and one will speak to us again. I'm going to assume it was an elemental because I was talking about elementals and then I heard a... It almost sounded like a bobcat going through wax paper. Wait. Yeah, it was a... There's just like a flash of light directly behind you. Yeah, and considering we have a privacy fence, that's not possible. No, it the whole back area back there was lit up. So next is shadow person. Shadow people are strange phenomenon that seem that everyone knows about, mainly because they have seen them. Shadow people are humanoid figurines that are dark masses. You can't see any features on them like eyes, nose, this is not accurate, eyes, nose, mouth, ears, they can be seen in your peripheral vision as well. We are usually don't see features of clothing on shadow people. There is the fascinating case of the hat man. People have reported seeing a shadow man wearing a hat. There are thousands if not millions of shadow people cases. While these apparitions are seen often, not a lot is known about them. Are they human or could they be aliens trying to study us? Are they demonic? We don't know. They also can be seen as shapeless masses. Shadow people have also been seen moving through walls. My favorite shadow sighting is a shadow cat sightings because animal spirits are adorable. You can even say they, are, they aren't any hardcore rules when it comes to this phenomenon. So, I'm going to disagree. Sometimes... You can make out facial features in a shadow person. They're not really defined. You couldn't draw a picture because, I mean, they are dark. But sometimes you can tell if they have a big nose or if they have wide eyes. Sometimes it's not always your visual that sees it, but your third eye that sees it. Um, sometimes shadow people do appear as masses but sometimes they appear as people clear as day you can see them they're just dark it's hard to explain um you'd have to literally see one and experience it the amount of energy it takes to apparate <laughs> as so next is demonic so it starts at the age of 13 <laughs> it goes to about 30 7 <laughs> 90 it goes until they die. But, no. Before I go into details, I need to shout this from the rooftops. Demonic activity is rare. Disagree, but respectfully. Like super rare. Sadly, with mainstream television making it seem like demons are around every corner, people greatly misunderstand demonic activity. I've always found it interesting that folks who don't believe in demons don't encounter demonic activity. I truly believe that this type of haunting all depends on the mindset of the person. You could say demonic hauntings happen or haunting may even fall under elemental spirits. They are not human and they seem to possess incredible strength. When it comes to possession, we honestly can't say only demons possess or if possession is even real. Depending on your religious beliefs, your perception of demons will be different. I've seen Christians name 
Greek gods and goddesses as demons, while other religions may consider them something else for demons. That's accurate. So, I will disagree. Demonic hauntings are not rare. They're not. No. But there has to be something that has set them off. Ouija boards being practiced by people who have no clue what they're doing. They don't know how to open the door, much less close the damn thing. Um, satanic rituals where life animal sacrifice occurs. Kids drawing images they don't understand their meanings. Demonic images, people, are a calling card. It's like hitting speed dial. If you have a demonic image anywhere in your house or anything like that, if you physically drew it, you put the energy out there, you just rang the doorbell. You said, hey, hey, what are you doing? You just, you didn't necessarily summon it, but you let it know that you were open to it. And that's why people who believe in demonic are the ones who experience the demonic because they more than likely, unknowingly, summoned it or knocked on their door. Everything is energy. Everything. Everything. So, I, I will disagree that it's rare because it's not. But, a lot of times a place that is haunted by something demonic, when the people who leave, the demonic energy leaves with them because the welcome mat has been removed. That's not always true because sometimes they open a portal... And Which just, you're fucked. It's easiest place to go. And last but not least, seeing that this is kind of funny because I didn't know this. Portal. This one is least believable for me. Maybe it's because I don't really understand it. There are so many theories as to what opens a portal, how to close a portal, and all of that is inconsistent. But I digress. A portal is basically an open door to some sort of spirit world where spirits are coming in and out. You can imagine this is problematic for the person living with the portal haunting. When this happens, the urgency to close the portal is high. Many believe that portals are associated with sacred ground or places of religious worship. Either way, it's interesting. And I'm going to say this because you did go the extra mile of saying... You don't believe in it because you don't understand it. You've put it out there that it's not that you truly disbelieve in it. You just don't understand it, so you're not putting a whole lot of weight into it. But portals are not easily opened. It takes a lot of energy to open a portal. You have to actually do rituals to open portals. Now, they could be completely subconscious rituals. It could be something you do over and over and over again. Like someone being a smartass saying, I would sell my soul. If they say that enough times, they're going to bring something that's going to want their soul. A ritual is not always dancing naked to the harvest moon. My favorite ritual. But no. Rituals can be subconsciously done. It can be something that you can bring forth just by repetition that's why there's so much energy in a catholic church service because it is repetitive they our father who art magic. in heaven up down up down 
old people can't fucking walk, but goddamn, you get them in a Catholic church and they are getting up and down, up and down, up and down. <laughs> I'm 36 years old. I can't get up and down like that. <laughs> I have been to a Catholic mass and let me tell you what, I was punch drunk from the amount of power that they brought forth during that mass. Like, giddy with it. The Grimoire was written by a monk. It is kept in the catacombs of the freaking Catholic Church's biggest fucking real estate investment of all times. The Vatican? Exactly. <laughs> it's You cannot tell me. The robes, the sage, the walking down, the water sprinkling, all this was not taken out of the grimoire. For those of you who don't know, I am getting on my fucking soapbox here and now I'm getting on my soapbox. The grimoire was written when a monk was caught doing irregular activities. He was put sentenced to death by the Pope. He said, if I can give you a book with all the knowledge of heaven and hell, will you sacrifice or will you spare my life? They said, yes, he sold his soul to the devil and the devil wrote this amazing, huge book that some of it can't even be translated by today's modern knowledge of language. There is a picture that was drawn with details of what the devil could look like. And we have to assume it's the devil that he drew. You cannot tell me that the Catholic Church has that much knowledge in a freaking book and didn't use some of it. Oh, you know they did. You know they did. The temptation was there. I am convinced that somewhere in the Vatican you have a room that is nothing more than an area to summon the devil. And it's not devil worship. It is to know your You're fucking enemy. enemy. You have to see your enemy. Putin had to see Zelensky. Biden had to see Trump. James Dean had to see John... Freaking... It just drives me nuts when people are like, well, it takes a lot of energy. No, it doesn't, people. Repetitive... Motion. Small, small, small prayers you do throughout the day. At, it, it small is, rituals equal big rituals. Over time, the energy builds up and sometimes rituals. can rip the fabric of reality, opening a portal into something else. I'm not necessarily going to say hell, but by God, the energy is there put forth people have opened this energy because they absolutely refuse to change their habits like using a Ouija board you do it enough times someone's going to answer the door somebody's at the door I mean it's going to happen you you walk around the house if you go into a brand new house and you say are there any ghosts in this house the first day Nothing. The second day, nothing. The third day, you'll start hearing knocking. The fourth day, you'll start hearing voices. The fifth day, you'll start seeing shadow figures. The sixth day, if you continuously do it, even if there's nothing attached to the house, it will come because you are you're pulling it, it in. You. You're bringing it to you. Your intentions are bringing it to you. So, I get really 
amped up when it comes to this topic of conversation because a lot of people don't believe in portals. They don't believe that human action has any consequence beyond the physical, and that is wrong. We are all energy. We are all energy. Everything we put out gets brought back. We are meat mega powered by ghosts. Our ghosts are energy. When we die, we go back into the great energy collective to come back later in another body. That last one is... And I'm saying this, guys, because I do truly care about the well-being of all of you spiritually and physically. That last one was a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous statement. Because it leads people to believe this little thing I'm doing now won't have any effect. And you do it enough times, it becomes a really big thing. If you do a ghost hunt enough times in your own house, you will invite something in because you are putting out that want. Want is a hell of a desire. The reason we worship gods is want. Need. Not even need all the time. Because need, we can go out and do for ourselves. But we... Sometimes no. We go to gods... When it's something we want. When it's more. I do not trifle gods with my wants. Um, I trifle gods with my needs. That's because you also have a structured religion. A lot of people don't. It may not be structured in the fact you don't have a Bible and you don't attend church. But you have rules that you follow. You don't piss off the gods. You don't piss off the gods. You have rules you follow. And a lot of people who are agnostic or even atheists don't believe in a set set of rules. They don't follow a set procedural. They just go willy-nilly into this stuff and they can create some of the worst portals they've ever experienced. Because even after they create said portal, they keep doing it because the more interaction they get the more excited they get into it the more energy they put into it and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it gets to a point that they can't and that's usually when they call people like us in because mama b loved me i'm grounded i do if i do a ghost hunt i am barefoot it can be 20 degrees outside and I will be barefoot. He is Fred Flintstone in the flesh, people. But by God, when something attaches itself to me, it doesn't drain me. Because I am grounded. I have a connection with Gaia right then and there. The energy from the earth goes straight through me, just like the grounding rod on the side of your house by your power pole. I have Frank. You have Frank. Nothing gets past the house. So, we have our mechanisms that most people don't have because they don't live this life. Yeah, Frank stops everybody at the door. Uh, They might follow me home, but they're going to be standing outside looking stupid because Frank's like, oh no, bitch, you don't get to come in here. Excuse me, are you on the list? 
Frank's our bouncer. <laughs> Frank is and our he'll bouncer. Bounce you on your ass. <laughs> he doesn't let anybody else in the house unless he already approves or they're already here. If they were already here, then he's like, Ugh, fine. But I say this and I get really, really worked up over it because of the fact that a lot of people are going to use Halloween to do some amateur paranormal it's investigation. It's not a good time, kids. Halloween should never be your first experience into the paranormal. It's not a good time. It is when the veils have literally split and become so paper thin that you could literally call and whether you believe Zozo is a bad demon, we have Frank. Frank has protected us from Zozo on more occasion than one. I used to make Ouija boards for fun. That is how I know a Ouija board can open a door inadvertently because when you draw on that A, repetitive. When you draw on that B, repetitive. You are putting out there, hey, I am creating a way to have a conversation with you. Come speak to me. And every time it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And Frank has stopped anything from coming into our house. I can say that about Frank. He is a protector. He is a guardian. Frank is also my longest relationship with a man. <laughs> now given, he's not corporeal. <laughs> but, you know. Um, Alright, kids. I'm going to give you a little, a little stuff on Halloween. The reason we dress up on Halloween. The reason we used to dress up on Halloween as ghosts <coughs> and demons and werewolves and all that creepy stuff. Which now we dress up as Elsa from Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> Is because it was a way to scare the dead back to their realm. To keep them in their place so they did not overrun the earth. So, remember, that is the day when the veil is the thinnest. And if you do have a serious need, not a want, wants or trifles, a yeah. need, it is a good day to call upon your patron to ask for an assist. Please, for the love of Jesus, do not. If you want a PlayStation 5, earn it. Earn it. If you need a way to manage your stress. If you need a better job. If you need a house. If you need... Look, guys. Something that literally is... It's your life coming. You know, if it's going to... Something that's going to change your actual life. Then call upon your patron. Preferably without any kind of animal sacrifices. Right. And they tend not to like that. They actually. tend to not like that. Give them apples and honey. Give them something from the harvest. Most of them appreciate they remember the harvest days. Another thing is the energy you put out is the energy you get back. If you put out the energy of death, you're calling the wrong person you're to you. Calling the wrong person to you. Now I personally am a big fan of Baron Semedi. I love Santa Morte. Those are my two patron saints. I know that sounds weird because neither one of them are technically Catholic, and I, by God, am not Catholic. But Baron Samadhi and Santa Morte are my go-to, hey, 
I really just need to decompress. I could use some help. Baron Samadhi will take over. I will become goofy as hell and start singing random ass songs. I know what I'm doing. I have full control over my body. But you know when you hear that voice in your head, it's like you've got an old friend. I'm not saying go out and start practicing voodoo because <laughs> it took a long time for me to build up a relationship with Baron Samadhi. Without the chickens. He likes rum, dark rum, and he likes cigars. You go out there, you smoke a cigar, you drink some rum, you pour him some, you leave it. If someone comes up and steals it, guess what? Their Baron Samadhi is working through them. If an animal knocks it over, guess what? Baron Samadhi is working through them. You know, Santa Morte. I got a strange relationship with Saint Death because of my job as a coroner. I seen death on a regular basis and I needed to figure out how I could deal with the idea of life being fleeting. Every day, every day I dealt with death. I buried four or five of my classmates within a two year period. Shit was getting hard and I had to, I asked death, what is it? What is it about you? And I got a mental image of the afterlife and it brought me peace. So yes, you have to work with these things, but you need to focus your energy on the one you're deciding to work with. If you're going to work with one, you need to stick with that one until you have a relationship with it. Now, you can do like a lot of the Greek followers do. They create a pantheon, which is what I did. Mine is Baron Samadhi, Santa Morte, Loki, because I'm a mischievous bastard, and me and Loki just see eye to eye. Funny shit is funny, and if you don't think so, you're not a very funny person. Rant over. <laughs> that being said, let's turn it over to my beautiful co-host with her. Are we doing a fairy tale this week, or what are Actually, we doing? Actually, we're doing a myth. Ooh. We're going to Greece. Greek mythology. I like Greek mythology. We're going to, we're going to Greece. Zeus is a rapist. You know, and he's not just a rapist. He is like. A weird rapist. A weird rapist. Like turning himself into gold and showering some chick with gold. Next thing you know, she's pregnant. He turned himself into a swan. A goat? A goat. A bull. Turned his lover into a cow? That was when he was a bull. Yeah, but he was trying to hide her from Hera. That's because Hera was watching. (laughs) (laughs) Why does the cow say moo? Because the farmer's hand was cold. Alrighty, well, I guess if you, if you turned her into a cow, you know, his man meat won't go work because, you know. <laughs> it ain't long enough. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Alright, so today we're talking about the myth of Cassandra. Cassandra was one of the princesses of Troy. That's the place with the horse. Priam and Hecuba. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's about the horse, yo. <laughs> So she had the gift of foreseeing. The only problem is nobody believed her. 
So she was one of the priestesses of Apollo. And apparently Apollo wanted a little, you know... Well, I mean, he was a Greek god, so... And she's like, no, no. No, no. You know, she's trying to be a good priestess and stay pure. And he got upset with her. So he said, that's cool. That's cool. He said, I'm going to do something for you. He said, I'm going to make it to where you see the future. And she's like, oh, thanks, man. That That's awesome. And he said, yeah, but nobody's going to believe you. Ever. Tell me no again. <laughs> Greek gods were dicks. They were dicks. Yeah. So, Cassandra foresaw the destruction of Troy by the Greeks. She saw it coming. She told me, she's like, don't trust these people. Don't trust the Greeks. Don't trust their gifts. And sure as shit, when they brought this big-ass fucking horn. Now, if you're besieged people, like, dude... If these people keep trying to get in the gate, and they tried knocking politely, and you told them no, and they tried beating it down, and you told them no, maybe you stood there and laughed at them, ha ha, you know, <laughs> They tried to get in the back door, and even tried to convince you it wasn't that big. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. Don't let them in, dude. Okay, so when they showed up with a big wooden horse, you know, she told them, she said, if they, you let these people in, beware of Danaos, bearing gifts. Beware of the Greeks bearing gifts. And uh, nobody, uh, nobody believed her. Poor thing. Um, and she was done. When it, when Tori fell, she tried to find shelter in Athena's temple. She was like, "F you, F you, Apollo, I'm done." And uh, she was abducted by Ajax and brought to Agamemnon. Say that five times fast. Agamemnon. <laughs> and Murray and buried, are murdered by Clymenestra. Agamemnon's wife, who, even though she had a lover, was not appreciative of the fact that uh, <clears throat> he did. Well, you know, all too often you get that situation where what's good for the goose isn't good for the gander. Yeah, yeah. It's actually there's actually a Cassandra complex, and um, it's used by psychiatrists for where people are trying to warn somebody of something going on. Hey, hey, hey. And nobody believes them. Yeah. It, it's just kind of a sad thing that that this girl could see the future and nobody, nobody believed anything she said. Well, you know, it really does fall into that category of 90% of Greek mythology is the gods trying to prevent their own demise by creating the monsters that will in return Turn, kill them yes be their demise i'm sure in some way apollo giving her the ability to have foresight in some way backfired on him down the line it may be 10 15 30 years after her death but something she said years back got put in a scroll somewhere that helped someone fuck Apollo up. Right. That's like Zeus was, oh no, I can't allow my son to be born because if my son is born, then like I killed my father, he will kill me. So he tried to kill his son and... Well, they did that a lot in, in Greece too. Yeah. There was a lot of patricide and fratricide and matricide. matricide and- Oedipus and although I, I can honestly say the story of the twins of Oedipus and Oedipus 
Um. <laughs> My high school teacher did not like that joke. Dude, that's funny. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So, so that the moral of the story, kids, is if somebody doesn't believe you when you see some bad shit getting ready to go down, keep talking. Eventually, somebody might. Keep talking or start walking. Keep talking or get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. You know. Because at that point, it's not your circus anymore. Yeah. The, the it really falls under that category of <laughs> even Noah tried to get people on the boat. Noah did try to get people on the boat. So sometimes people just are not going to believe you even though you have facts. The worst argument you will never win is an argument with an idiot. Amen. And... Another thing, you should always be wary of any gifts given to you by a god that you have rebuked. Mm-hmm. Beware of gifts. I said no, Apollo. Okay, listen. Beware of gifts given by anyone you have rebuked. Yeah. God, human, any of it. <laughs> Dog, cat. Because, you know, I have told our animals no, and the next thing I know, there's a dead rat in my shoe. Because you know they love you when they put a they rat just feel in your like shoe. you can't take care of yourself. Or the cat that shits in your shoe. <laughs> you know. Be wary of anything you rebuke. And that goes back to the whole paranormal investigation. Be very wary of something you try to rebuke. Right. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Next right. thing you know, you're bleeding from the head because your faith and your religion wasn't strong enough to rebuke something that has sat there and just manifested. The energy it takes to manifest is huge. Huge. You've got to have more faith in, oh, I believe that there's something out there. You've got to know exactly what you believe when you go to... Have that face of your God firmly planted in your mind. If you expect them to save you. Whichever God it may be. I myself believe that it's all the same God. The face is different. I personally believe that every angel is a God. But because one God had a uh, inferiority complex. Like he had to be the biggest and the best. He called them angels. Because in the original translation, it spoke about God going to the Council of God, asking how long they were going to allow mankind to dwell in sin before the big flood. That's an interesting one. Um, I, I, I don't know about all that. I do know that a lot of witches hid in the church, the Catholic church. No, you know, the They're Protestants easy. were burning them. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> To escape because of the saints and their use of the saints, you know. Well, the saints were saint smart enough this, to realize. The saint of that, but the patron saints actually mirrored a miniature pantheon of gods, and the rituals of the Catholic Church actually mirrored the rituals that we did. On a scale, the power 
that they produce is amazing. So what better way to hide and to produce your own power? Don't you put that bag in the fire. You never hear a story about an actual saint. And being Irish, this hurts to say, but St. Patrick was not a canonized saint. Um, the snakes he drew, drove out of Ireland were pagans. They weren't actual snakes. It is symbolism that follows the story of St. Patrick. He was actually... Symbology behind that. Symbology. <laughs> the word you're looking for is symbolism. What is the symbolism? But saints never accused anyone of any sin. They never... They were just being the best people they could be all the time. To everyone. To everyone. To animals. You will never convince me that a saint didn't use a witch to learn the darker energies out there. Because witches... Okay, so first off, something everybody needs to realize about actual true witches. Witches know magic. They know light magic, dark magic. They know all forms of magic because witches know how to prepare, to protect, to block, to prevent. They are guardians. It is what they are here for. They are healers. They are spiritual guides. They do everything. So they know black magic, and I use the quotation marks over that, because the people who practice black magic are not witches. They are people with ill will towards you. And witches are the ones who do the counter spells that block the negative energy. They are the ones who give you the healing herbs. They are the ones who give you everything you need. The sage to ward off the negative energy. The they know how to battle darkness. And salt is your best friend, children. All the time. Preferably natural salt. Table salt will work in a pinch. <laughs> Just a pinch. <laughs> If you can't get some kosher or that fancy ass fucking pink Himalayan salt. I'm not even talking. I'm preferably sea salt. Kosher salt is sea salt. Yeah. You can use table salt. You can use processed iodized salt. Yeah. But preferably sea salt because of the energy that comes with it. Mm -hmm. The constant back and forth oh, and moving and clashing and bashing and going. Knocking out fish and going through fish and going through sharks and going through dolphins and going through the creatures we haven't seen. Yet. Probably never will see, realistically, because, you know, they spend a whole lot of money to go to the moon and we have never been to the bottom of the ocean. I think it's because they know what's down there and they're trying to get the fuck off this planet. But that's just me. <laughs> they're like, nope, we've nope. seen what's down there. Yeah. We're not telling you because you'll panic. Oh, we gotta go. But the same things that can't survive up here can survive down there. And we cannot survive down there. We don't need to. We don't need to. But it should be a never the twain shall meet situation. Let's just leave them be. Cut the I don't think Cthulhu's at the bottom of the ocean. I think Cthulhu is based off of an actual elder entity. Um... I think the story got twisted somewhere down the line so many different times. And by the time H.P. Lovecraft started telling the story, he added his own special little twist to it. I think H.P. Lovecraft saw it into an alternate dimension. 
is very possible. DMT, baby. H.P. Lovecraft sitting on the front porch, hitting up the mushrooms. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Hell, I would if I didn't have to go to work in the morning. <laughs> it's like, I ain't got nothing better to do. Let's see what color a cow turns. <laughs> well, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we, we've got excited on this one. We got rambunctious. Okay, I got excited. I got rambunctious. Mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. loud. Um, I think I conjured something because I was talking about the elementals, and next thing you know, you hear a whiny moan from behind me, and now we've had a breeze that has stayed steady ever since, so I think an elemental is acting as a protector. I think it is here to love on us. <laughs> Because we are putting out the positive energy and we are wanting the best for you. So let's say this again, kids. If you've never dealt in the paranormal, don't start on Halloween. That being said, be safe. You're going to do it anyways. You're a dumbass. But I love you. See you next week, guys. Good night.